automatic timer up. Dali Ali slips it through. Mika Smola has scored! Hello there. Welcome to the Through the Thirds podcast with me, Alistair Feezy. Hi all, welcome to Through the Thirds podcast. Today we have a great guest on, Jordan Farrell. Jordan is currently the head coach of Oakland Roots Soccer Club in the Bay Area. It's going to be a good one, so enjoy. Jordan, welcome to Through the Thirds podcast. It's great to have you on today and I appreciate your time. Um, first of all, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, you know, what's your background, where you kind of come from within coaching and playing, if you have. Um... Yeah, I mean, first off, thanks for having me. Um, pleasure to be, pleasure to be on. Always, uh, always good to chat football. Um, uh, yeah, so I grew up uh, just, just out in the Central Valley here in California and in, um, in Stockton, and uh, um, played yeah multiple sports growing up. Not just uh, not just football, but also played um, basketball, ran track, played baseball. So multi sport athlete, and then. Um, Went to college here, Cal State East Bay. Um, did four years there, and then um, trekked trekked over um, to Germany. Got a little bit of an experience there. Started, you know, with playing um, in in like one of the top amateur divisions, um, and then uh, that led to coaching there as well. So I kind of got my feet wet in coaching. I did some camps and stuff in college, but um, really got into coaching while I was over there. Um, and decided to move back, um, and was in Stockton, did a little bit of, uh, did my master's at UOP and then was also coaching at just down the road in, um, at a junior college, um, Delta college in Stockton. Um, when it was announced that there was D1 soccer coming from coming to, to, to UOP, um, which was cool as a, a rebirth of the program after a 30 year hiatus. Um, so I got on as an assistant there, spent a couple of years there, then uh, moved up the road to Republic. I uh, wanted to do work in the youth to, to understand the youth Academy and understand the, the uh, even inner workings of professional club um, uh, from that perspective and building players. Um, and then got the opportunity now to be at Oakland roots. Um, so I was the assistant in the fall and then got the, the head job this spring. So it's been a pretty, pretty cool run the last, last couple of years. Yeah, certainly. No, it's been great. Um, so how, how would you kind of describe your coaching and playing philosophy? Is it kind of value driven or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people are first. The reason I did my, my um, undergraduate degree in sociology and I felt at that time, I knew I wanted to be in football of some sort in, in some way um, after I was done playing. But I felt at that time, like I really have an, uh, just an interest in people, different cultures, different people, how they interact. And, um, and that's what sociology is, the study of people and how they interact. Um, so I've always had that, that at the, at the core of whatever I've done um, is that football, you know, football is a great language to speak to all kinds of different um, people. You don't even have to speak the same actual language, but you can speak football. Um, and so that part, and then the part that it's global, um, where, where everyone's in 
from every country is involved in it um, have always drawn me to the game. And so whatever I've done in, in terms of coaching has always been, you know, first when I'm dealing with players, their people, um, and then their players. Um, and, uh, and secondarily, whatever I can do in the game, I'd like to do for the people. So, you know, when I was working in the youth club, it, um, it was always about meeting the players and seeing what their goals were. If it was to get to college, if it was to get professionally, um, you know, that, that part, as well as the club's goals, um, were, were paramount over, over kind of what I, I don't put myself first. I put the people that I work with first. So, uh, and now I'm in a position at Oakland roots where, you know, our football is really important to what the, the club, um, is trying to do from a social standpoint. Uh, they've got a lot of different ways in which we're trying to impact our community, uh, both inside of Oakland and, uh, and rippling through the Bay area and around the rest of the world, if we can. Um, so it's important that we play good football and, and, and win games because that drives, um, the other really important work that the club is doing. So that's why I say people, it's kind of a central tenet to my, to my philosophy. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really insightful. It's brilliant. Um, so when when you're in Germany, do you feel that's where that came from, or you said from um, your sociology degree? Uh, yeah, I think you know it's, it was crazy. So I, when I moved to Germany, I actually moved to Nuremberg, which was the the you know the Nazi Congress was there. It was kind of like the seat of the Nazi Party, um, yeah. and and so that was an interesting dynamic to be in. And obviously, I, I mean, great great experiences with terrific people there. Um, and it was, it was a real eye opener. I'd traveled around to different countries before, um, moving to Germany, but actually living there and living in, in uh, outside the United States for the first time, um, gave me, I would say even more belief that the, in, in my, um, philosophy and the value of people. So, um, I think from that, you know, it came back and, and when I, you know, working in Delta, at Delta and working in UOP, it was actually working in my hometown. And in that place, um, you know, soccer uh, takes on a different meaning. You know, I worked with a lot of kids that were first generation Hispanic. Um, and a lot of my friends growing up were, you know, um, uh, immigrants of some sort, you know, first generation, second generation, or they, they themselves were um, uh, you know, newly arrived to, to the United States. So, um, I've always had, you know, and I grew up, I grew up kind of working class, um, as well. And so I've always had that feel of like the, you know, the people, um, the priority of, of people. So I wouldn't say that it started in Germany. I think with, in Germany is where my, um, you know, my ideas about football and how I wanted to play as a coach and see football played as a coach really started to, to take root. Um, you know, that's where I had extra time on my hands, watched a lot of games, watched, went around, watched a lot of training, um, and then got started understanding like the youth development process. I was in Bavaria and there's, you know, um, some pretty good teams <laughs> there uh, and some pretty good youth youth development um, structures there. So it was cool to learn from uh, from that standpoint. You know, in, in America, it wasn't like there was a club that you could go to. At, at the time when I was growing up, it wasn't like 
there was a club in our region where you that was the club where if you were a player you would develop it was like a team that would come together at your age because the dad of one of the kids knew something about soccer so it was my first time exposed to like a club and uh development of players and the clubs that i played for have done a really good job at developing players they're not well-known names in terms of their first team or whatnot but if you're in um if you're in Bavaria, especially in Franconia, you you know those clubs by, by their product. They're, they're producing players, even if those players aren't playing for their first team. So that was a cool, like, to wrap my head around that. And at that time, obviously, Germany had gone through an incredible um, uh, revolution, um, a reboot. Um, and that that was, I would say, the fruit of that was 2014 World Cup. So I was there a couple of years before that, during the 2010 World Cup and um, and those things. And it really just opened my eyes to the way players were developed there um, and, and changed my way of thinking about coaching uh, overall. So that's where that, that piece, of, I would say, of my philosophy started. Yeah, no, I think Germany is a phenomenal place to go for coaching. Like, I'm just reading that, um, as you said, reboot. I'm reading that that's reboot right now. Oh man! Literally that area. I'm guessing you've read it. Yeah, um, yeah. it's brilliant. It must have been that time when you were there, then, because it was when Klinsman lost his job, I think. And then yeah, I think alone. he was there. He was there a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years yeah. before. Uh, but it was, it was, uh, it just, yeah. The whole culture around football was different. You know, the kids that you played with in the park. Like I lived, uh, I lived like right on uh, the moat you know, in, in Nuremberg and down in the moat was this little five-a-side court. And I would just, you know, go down there and, and knock a ball against the wall, you know, on my own. But then sometimes there was just like kids from the neighborhood that would come and play. And these, these kids weren't, you know, they're not going to be top players or anything like that, but their general understanding of the game was way better than what I find if I were to play with kids in, in the United States, especially at that time. Now I think it's getting better, but that was one of the things. It was like the culture surrounding football you had more knowledgeable fans, you had more knowledgeable uh, players at the recreational level, you know, even if they weren't top players, they understood how the game should go. Um, and it, that was, that was fascinating to me. Yeah. And that goes back to culture. I feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And no, it's, it's, and again, like these days, they're miles ahead of people with the massive screens they've got to train in and, you know, coaches like Nagelsmann and the other guy at um, Hoffenheim, very young coaches, is certainly something to look up to. Yeah, and Germany's a, a, a culture of efficiency and, and, and incredible education. And so, you know, that, that, you know, the book you're reading describes it, but that period of time was really them taking their, their cultural values and norms that they had all over the place. I mean, they're, the, they're one of the best at producing high performance vehicles or you name it. They're, you know, they're, they're one of the best, uh, culturally, um, at efficiency. Right. Um, and so it was putting that, those ideas, those cultural values into their football processes. And now, like you said, you're seeing, um, the, the incredible, um, fruit of it. And it's just continuing to go because now they have a process of revising. I mean, when I was there, so the, the level that I was playing at, uh, a lot of people, I would say right now, you know, the DA shut down and everybody's what's going to happen. And that's a really tough, I would say tough time for us as a country. But what, what I've realized from my time in Germany and then paying attention afterwards, as well as learning about what happened before there, 
they're very open to reform. They're very open to, uh, at least in their football processes, because it feels like, you know, every couple years, there's some shift in their, in their, uh, their levels, their divisions, and they just manage it really well. Um, you know, it creates good balance when they say, when they see imbalance, like, for example, I was, I was playing in the, the Bavarian state league, which is, you know, Bavaria is, I would say, akin to California or Texas or one of those types of states, right, for right. Uh, the comparison. And it was a fifth division. And I think a year or two years after I left, it moved to being a, its own fourth division. Same thing. And then what they did was they took that state amateur division and they split it into north and south, less travel. And because they pulled some players into the professional – or some coaches – sorry, some clubs into the professional level um, – they just, you know, they, they, I would say, manage the transition by just splitting it into North and South. So things like that, that's not, that's just one move that they've made, but creating a third professional level, how they did the regional fourth division, um, really important structural changes that mean that they have an awareness of what's going to help them um, have a thriving system. And this is obviously off the back of, them not having a, a, a thriving football production line. Um, so it's interesting how they think about it, too. Yeah, it was interesting how, um, I think it was Klinsman who wanted to change when they introduced the false nine. And I yeah. remember reading in it that how the, the public were not against, like, how are we are going to play without a forward and things like that? And then once they saw it, they were, you know, open to adapting to it and things like that. But I mean, like you said, go back to efficiency. They're one of the top countries in the world right now to get all the testing for COVID. So <laughs> it's not surprising. <laughs> it's not at all. Do you feel um, your going on to like playing style now was influenced by the German uh, culture or like the playing culture there? Uh, certainly, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm uh, as I said when I was there. Um, I spent a lot of time. I'm a Barcelona fan and I've been a Barcelona fan since, um, you know, before, before the, so I went, uh, when I was in high school is when I started really diving into like the culture of football, I would say, um, you know, Euro, Euro 2004, that, yeah. that Greece tournament, that was the, like one of the first major tournaments that I watched. I won't say start to finish cause all the games weren't necessarily broadcast. Or I don't know if they were, but what I could watch of it, I was addicted to it, you know, that 2004 tournament. So that kind of really started my engines in football. And then um, when I when I got into college is when I first got like football channels for the first time. And I was a Barcelona fan because uh, when I graduated high school, it was like one thing I wanted to do was I wanted to go to FC Barcelona um, and, and see, see it, you know, because um, yeah. I'd, I'd been a fan, you know, before of, of um like when El Phenomeno was there, that was when I first started like, oh yeah, like football jerseys and culture and all that kind of stuff. So then you have Rivaldo, the 2002 team and, and those types of things. So those kind of stoked my flame. And when I graduated high school, the one thing I wanted to do was go there and I went. And on, on the same trip, I actually went to, to uh, Real Madrid, but um, I wasn't, I was, you know, I'm a Barcelona fan and walking up the steps when you do the tour into the stadium was like, yeah, this is my life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I was actually a, a, a big you know I was paying attention and watching a whole lot more of FC Barcelona uh and 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 other footballing teams through college um and then when I got to Germany there was like that was when I started thinking about coaching so that was um you know uh, 
it was like 2009, 2010, and into 2011. So obviously Barcelona during that period of time were in their like prime under Guardiola. And so there was that piece that I was, I was ingesting and I was just watching, reading, whatever I possibly could about how Messi, Iniesta, uh, Xavi, Busquets, how they operate, you know, Danny Alves, how they, how they operate, what the principles were, and then how this whole philosophy around football is, is on display at that point in time. But when I was in Germany, I also got exposed to just like a whole lot different style of, of uh, verticality. Um, you know, I, I call it that now. I didn't know what it was then, but uh, when I was there, so th there was this, and it was, you know, you mentioned the, the forward um, and then playing without a forward. And it's, you know, the German term for the number nine is the Stürmer. Um, and when I was there, you know, I, you played off of the, the Stürmer. You played off of the nine and you played, um, and there was this, this focal point, I would say, as well as this feeling of like, let's get to goal. Like, let's create chances. And so that was something that I was grappling with, with like, okay, this is what I'm playing. And I actually really enjoy this kind of up-tempo um, feel to the game. But I'm seeing Barcelona, which is there's tempo changes, right? And sometimes there was times, especially in the last season under Guardiola, where I was screaming at the television to like go forward and create a chance. And he was structuring the, the buildup around, you know, his, his, his style and, and, and way. So for me, it was like, okay, I don't like that. Like, I don't like not going to goal because we have to just pass the ball. Um, and it wasn't always that way at Barcelona, but that was my feel that last season. Um, and then in Germany, I had that, that feeling of verticality. So I was uh, that again, that period of time when I was thinking about how do I see football and obviously from that just stimulated what happens all the time. It's like, what do I want to see on the field? Um, but that was a period of time for me where philosophically I was, um, I was reading a lot too. That was the first time I got into like football theory of any sort. Um, and I really, uh, have continued to, to just dive and refine and, and have different influences. And you see, you just, now it's like, you see things and you're like, yeah, that's, that's consistent. I need to, I need to grab that picture. Cause I know that's going to illustrate this thing. Um, or, uh, I see how they're doing that there. What, what would I do in that situation or what are the other solutions? So now it's, but I have a reference of like, this is the feeling of football that I want to see. And that's going to change every single place uh, that I go, but it's also, there's a uniqueness to my philosophy that will stay consistent. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, now I've certainly noticed like in your sessions that I've watched last year and kind of in how you've been coaching, that you're, you are quite intense and you do, you know, demand that tempo. And is that kind of your intenseness? Is that kind of what you've, um, I guess, developed or is it always something that you've kind of had? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say it's something that I've always had, but how I translate that to my team is something that I've definitely continued to work on um, because, um there was a there there's because I've always wanted my team to play with a certain intensity. I've, I've recognized like, I, I kind of need to model that until there's a point where I know my team has, has that. And, um, you know, there's been different points in time where I felt like, okay, now, now I can be cool and, and, and relax, not relax, you know, cause you're intense in the game, but 
but just not have to provide that intensity because my team and the players that I've worked with are to a point where they have it. And you can even see it with, you know, coaches like uh, Conte or Klopp. Like, obviously, they're going to remain the same intensity because that's their character. Um, and that's the consistency of who they are. But they also, the difference between Klopp and that, like, first two seasons under Liverpool and Klopp even this last season, uh, I was noticing on the touchlines, like, those first, you know, first couple seasons, this guy's a nutter and he's, like, demanding it in games. And now they're to a point where the players know what they what's expected of them. And he does a lot of that work in training. So in the game, he doesn't have to provide the same stimulus. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it comes with working with a group of players for a period of time. I think it's why, you know, Pep gets burnt out at the places that he goes to because um, he, and, and maybe now at Man City, he's, he's, you know, a little bit further on in his career and, and the project is different than Barcelona, but he was providing so much because um, football is very emotional um, to his, to his teams. And so I, that's a part of like, yeah, I want that up-tempo. I want that intensity to the way that we play. Um, and so you have to, you know, you have to, you have to model it to a certain extent. Um, but it's, it's definitely a part as like a central part of my philosophy that I've always had with no, each, team, you know, you figure it out. Yeah. Nice. No, brilliant. It's, it's enjoyable to see your passion out on the field. I mean, going back to kind of the intensity side with Pochettino, I'm a big Tottenham fan. Okay. Um, I went to Madrid last year, sadly. <laughs> oh, but, um, yeah. Uh, so, kind of, I feel he almost exhausted the players of his intensity somewhat, you know. You... Well, and, you know, he got them to the final. Uh, yeah. And I would say that that intensity was key in getting them to the final. Um, but at the same time, you're right. Like, they're, and that's natural, you know, it's a natural thing in football. Um, that's why it's it's very difficult to have managers like Sir Alex um, because of the because of that intensity. And he was super intense, you know. Um, but yeah. he grew with Man United, and and he also had a policy of revamping the squad every four years because of that. Because it was okay if if I'm not going to change every. And I think you know most people know Cruyff's advice to to uh, Guardiola to not stay past three years. Um, uh, and he stayed that fourth year at Barcelona. And that was the year that I was talking about. I was really frustrated with watching yeah. the football. But, um, uh, you know, in, 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 on the flip side is, is Sir Alex, who stayed himself consistently for, for a very long period of time. And he had a policy of revamping the squad every four years. So there's certain players that they maintained. Obviously, uh, you know, those mainstays, those guys that could continuously maintain that intensity level and that, that, commitment to the cause and all of that but then they also supplemented that by changing out all the other pieces um you know every four years to to bring in that new desire that new drive that new um, um yeah passion right uh, that's required at top level yeah i mean he even um refreshed his coach and stuff didn't he yeah exactly mclaren yeah. millestine I mean, Pochettino, he knew, he knew he had to refresh the squad. He just wasn't given it. So. <laughs> exactly. I'll get off that topic. <laughs> exactly. So that's actually like my – because I was a big Ledley King fan. Oh, yeah. Love um, so the Spurs, Spurs is actually like – I won't say they're like my second team, but they're a team that I follow very closely. And, you know, uh, they're just not the same in my heart as Barcelona. But um, Yeah, I'm not the same in my heart right now either. <laughs> <laughs> Mourinho will do that to you, man. Mourinho will do that. Yeah, I don't know about Mourinho. We'll see. <laughs> um, so going back to kind of your 
playing style. So when you're in um, Sat Republic, were you, did you have to kind of vary how intense you were with the academy players? Obviously you worked with, was it U17? And U17? Yeah, so I actually, um, in the two years that I was there, I, I coached every team in the club besides the U12s. Um, I was head coach of in 2018, the calendar year alone, I was head coach of, and it was just, it was like factors beyond, you know, beyond my control. Like I, I went there to, to coach the 13s and 14s. Um, and that was incredible. It was really incredible for my development as a coach. Um, uh, because I was, I had, I'd come from division one college and coaching, you know, U 23s. Um, and so I started in the academy at 13s and 14s, and I had a, a direct connection to the 12s. I had oversight of the 12s, and then I also, you know, um, uh, Brian Willie, who is the 12s coach, um, he and I worked together constantly about individual players and program for development, all that stuff. So um, I didn't head coach the 12s, but I did have some oversight. So then um, it happened that, that Simon and Ben, uh, Simon Elliott and Benjamin Zemer got called in the first team. Simon is the, as the head coach and Ben is his, um, his right-hand man. So that was the 17th coach and the 19th coach. And that was about uh, March, I, I believe, of, uh, of 2018. So um, I got the 17th job um, and for the rest of the spring. And it was an incredible run, went to the quarterfinal. Um, with a group of players that was uh, 01s and 02s. And then um, we, the, there was a couple changes in the, the uh, academy again um, as, as some coaches left and moved around. And so um, I ended up coaching the 17s and the 19s for the 18-19 the season. And that was, a, that was a bear, but it was really good for my experience because our 19s was our second, second team. And obviously um, – you know, I've, I've been used to coaching U23s before, so I'd had experience with, with um, those ages. And I'd coached um, everything from 15s to 19s as well as done a lot of work with selection under that. So I was f very familiar with youth football, but not coaching 19s at that level, the DA level, um, uh, day in and, and day out for a calendar year. And so, yeah, I did have to vary my intensity, but there was, uh, you know, it was also a good time for me of understanding, like, because I had a big squad and I was the only coach, you know, I had, um, 36 players, 40, sorry, 40 players. Um, uh, and, um, <laughs> and I was the only coach, you know, I had an athletic trainer that was there and then it was myself, no assistant. So to, to, you talk about exhausting yourself. If I, if I was, you know, crazy intense every single day, I don't know if it would have, uh, I would have made it, you know? Uh, but, in order to play the football that we needed to play, we had to have a certain amount of intensity. So it was really good for me in learning how to, um, you know, build structures within the team of, of um, you know, player groups, whether it was leadership or just, you know, segmenting players by line or whatever, that then I could transmit um, that value or, or certain things in a different way. And then uh, I had little, you know, um, little generals on the field that were really pushing it. And so that was good for me in my process of not having to be necessarily, well, having to be the focal point as the, as the coach for the, the way of playing and those types of things, but also really working on my side of things to, uh, to, to, to get the players to, to drive it. Um, and that, that was, I would say, 
an important progression for me. Not that I hadn't done that before, but the way in which I learned uh, how to do it, coaching the 17s and the 19s, was much different and who those players were. We had a lot of players that aspired to be professionals. So it was a great, I mean, they have the ambition, right? So now it's just uh, orienting them and giving them tools to succeed. Um, And then we also had players who didn't really, I mean, they were like, okay, if they have a professional career, but the, the whole orientation was college and then the potential for professional career. So it was, that was very different. Uh, very different to be in that environment, uh, but really good experience. Yeah, that's um, 40 players. That's a, that's a big one. Like you said, like, you kind of had to make it player-driven, like your mini coaches, I guess. If you're just thinking, rather than standing back thinking this is impossible, you kind of went ahead and think, I've got to create my own little coaches within the players. That's, yeah. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. It's a, I mean, it's a process that I I feel young players, it's, it's a part of their development as well. So in that way, it was really, you know, mutually beneficial. Like these, these young players need to take ownership over their development. And at varying times, you know, those U19s in the spring of their senior year, this is a, that's, that's a, man, that's, that's a tough time to keep them focused. You know what I mean? Um, so, but it was really good uh, for me and it's been good to connect with the players and, and stay connected to the players, I would say, afterwards to see what, how those tools that I, you know, we were able to work through and, and give them, how they're paying, paying, uh, paying out for them now. You know, guys that have gone into college, guys that have gone in the professional ranks, guys that have gone, uh, as, you know, are still still there within the youth academy and how, you know, the different tools that we I was able to to give them um, during that period of time where we were able to work through things that they were able to give me as well. Cause you know, coaching, you're learning from your players on, on a daily basis. So I had to be a lot more open with players, which has always been my philosophy, but even more so there where, you know, the authoritarian or whatever, like that doesn't work. Like you gotta be, Hey guys, does this work? Cause we got to work together to solve this problem. You know, I don't have two other coaches that are paying attention to this problem. Uh, and I think that added to my belief that, you know, the players on the field see the situation way more clearly than I'll ever see a situation. So, uh, you know, I can go back on film afterwards and go, this is what happened. But every time that I've, I've uh, done a film session with players, and so it's like, here's the clear picture, they're telling me things that I, I, I don't know, I can't know because I'm not on the field. And that really, I feel like uh, during my time in the youth academy was really important for me uh, to now where, um, you know, when I work with my teams, I'm almost, and it's different with kids who are in an educational environment all the time. Now I'm working with pros and I'm, I'm like having to like, guys tell me, and sometimes professional players, uh, you know, aren't used to being asked their opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, and I know that's new, you know, that's going back to a lot of these young coaches or, or just coaches that I would say the modern coach, you know, works with their players on, on the way of uh, playing instead of demands, you only do this. Now there's times when that has to happen because you know, game plan wise, but even when that happens, there's still a way of uh, transmitting that to the players where they take ownership. They're, they're going to act better on the field in terms of like football actions, if they believe that it's going to bring them success and that belief is going to come from marrying what they see and feel and know as players 
with what we see and feel and, and um, can, can derive from research or, or analysis as coaches. So it's getting, getting all those pictures to, to match up. And it, the starting point is what the player uh, is empowering the player to take decisions, make decisions, um, and be confident. Yes, so you're a big believer in kind of guided discovery approach. Yeah, and it's a, uh, I, I, I think there's there's you know multiple ways to guide discovery. Yeah. You can guide discovery from the questions that you ask and and um, you know the, the way in which you present information, but that presentation of information can also be the way in which you structure your your. Um, uh, training sessions and your exercises um you know there's 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 an an importance that the players can relative you know they can themselves get in an exercise and understand how it's going to to work and affect them and they should be i feel like in any time you're running a session there should be this the players understand like oh yeah that's why okay i got it because that know that knowing why and knowing how it, every day you're going to have to come with a different way of guiding them to that discovery. You know what I mean? Um, but that they're, they're already, that they already have their engines turned on to, Hey, we're, we need to be trying to discover something here. We need to be trying to um, achieve and perceive and, and, uh, and get the information that we need that part is the first i feel like that's the first part that you have to break down with the with the player if they don't already come to you with that idea then once they know hey i'm supposed to be discovering now you know how to now you know better how to to present the problems to them and guide them to the solution yeah yeah brilliant um so going back to kind of when you work with the U14s at the Republic, what was kind of the balance between winning versus development? Was it, because I know in such a kind of winning culture here in America, I mean, that was a huge difference to me coming over. But do you feel, was there a good balance? Was it more development driven? Was it more winning? Um, yeah, I, th I felt like there was very good balance. Uh, that's the one thing I'll say about, you know, our, my time in the academy at Republic and the club, you know, now we're seeing a couple of the, the youth players break into the, the first team. And that's a product of a long process that I was just a part of. Um, I think the value at Republic was to produce footballers, uh, specifically for the first team, but produce footballers. And um, we had a lot of uh, conversations and um, we built a curriculum around you know, using that 13s, 12s, 13s, 14s, 15 stage to form these footballers so that they can arrive in the first team at 16, 17 and be successful. Um, and so in the, and you know, when I was in the 13s and 14s, which actually was two teams. So I had, I had 36 players there too. Um, and, and, no assistant. and actually no trainer during that period. I mean, the tra our trainer worked with them, but his priority was 17 to 19. Um, but so, so, during that period of time, yeah, we were, it was, we, you know, you want to practice winning and you want to have that, that, that a young player has been, 
has made it a habit of like, hey, when we put the shirt on and we're in training or we're, we put the shirt on the game day jersey and it's the game, like we're always trying to win because that is, that's who we want to be as a club. We want to be, uh, and, and in general, if you're preparing a player for professional life, like you gotta, their winning has to be central to what they do. That's what professional the professional level is about. So we never wanted to say, hey, this was development and not winning. Um, even in a friendly, it's like the scoreline matters. There's a score for a reason. And the score then should uh, give you a reference for aspects of your performance because the thing that we always preached was if you're playing well, then winning is coming from that. And, and that was – I would say when, when you're talking in the youth academy, I did, I did things that most people would think were crazy, like, you know, put my, my best center back at center forward and my best center forward at holding midfield. Um, you know, at 13, 14, we can probably say there's a couple positions these players play in. Um, but at 13, I want that player to experience playing in all three lines. It's important for their development. It's important for their tactical creativity development. Um, and it's important for their physical development as well. You know, I have a ter terrific um, center back now, uh, you know, that when I had him at 13s, uh, or sorry, at U14s, I played him as a, as, a, as a right back. So the 13s were different than the 14s. In the, in the 13s, we had everybody play three lines. In the 14s, we had everybody play two lines. Um, and I played, you know, I played this center back who, you know, physically we always knew his brothers were all six, four or whatever. Um, and so we knew he was always going to be big, but we also, I didn't want this guy to be a, a to l be limited athletically. So we played him in midfield. So he had to deal with the, the 360 view and, and I played him at, at right back and left back, left back to work on his left foot. He didn't bomb forward as much at left back, but at right back, this guy was producing crosses left and right because he could cover the ground. Now as this guy's maturing into being, you know, uh, uh, he's an 04. So what is that? You, uh, going to be U 17 player. Um, you, you were talking about a guy who has some immense potential, but we did, you know, we, we weren't afraid at 13s and 14s to put this guy in uncomfortable situations because it might lose us the game. You know, like the winning part never changed. Like, okay, we're going to play you at the six today. Here's your role. Here's the, the game plan. Um, don't think that that's an excuse for us not winning today. Like, don't, don't point the finger and say, hey, we, we lost today because you played our best center back at the six. Like, no, we educate how we want to play. And yes, there were certain games, especially certain showcases or things like that, where we tried to play our best players in our best positions because that was central for their development. Um, but there were other games where, and even periods of the season where we were very clear that, that the, the fall and the spring, the, the different shapes that we use, the different, um, uh, player, like positions that we played players in, those were all a part of the process of forming the players that, that, that we wanted to have as they arrived into the first team. Uh, so yeah, it was, I, I felt like there was a, a really good balance because there was a consistency of winning and a consistency of development, but everything was done, um, with, with the development track again, 
winning central to it with the development track of producing first team footballers that, that didn't have, you know, don't didn't obviously every player is going to have deficiencies, but the glaring deficiency that would keep them from, from life as a professional, we wanted to address that at 13, 14, 15. That's, that's, yeah. It seems like a phenomenal culture you had there. Um, Republic. I'm a high believer in that with the mixed positions as well. There's always been a story kind of stuck with me, which I told, got told in college that Burkamp was playing as a forward at Ajax and then they switched into a centre-back in the next game. You know, he's just tracking the runs of the forwards and things and then the next game he only scored a hat-trick. So it's, I mean, it took sense in my eyes. But I know a lot of people still want to place a lot of players in their best positions to go and, you know, win games at a young age, which, which is, yeah, you've got to find the balance in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, and, and players have, I mean, the, the way I look at it is, uh, you know, at the, at, the, at the top level, players probably have a best position and they have a second or a third, third position, right? There's very few Javier Zanetti's, I would say. Right. Um, you know, but even, you know, we're talking Philip Lom, Danny Alves, like uh, Iniesta, all these players, there's, there's a best position and then there's a, a, another position other positions that they can play um and and that's gonna change over time so to say that one player belongs in one position I, I feel like it's limited especially when you know about like the development of tactical creativity versus tactical intelligence and how important that pre-16 age is for tactical creativity development like you need to expose this player to different situations that's why multi-sport development is, is good because there's, there's uh, you know, uh, situational uh, decision-making or the palette of options um, that a player who, you know, plays other sports will, will have, like an Ibrahimovic, in terms of solving a, a situation is very different than a player who only plays one position in, in football all the way up, right? So you're actually, you're helping this player at a younger age, uh, uh, solve problems better later on. The Bird Camp example is terrific because he ha he sees uh, just the 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 not the the match strategy, but he sees a tactical solution to a, a problem or has to find a tactical solution to a problem. Tracking runs, uh, you know, that helps him see. Okay, this is almost like from a third third person perspective. Um, this is what I look like when I'm doing that, or this is what that position feels like when I'm doing that. Um, and that's going to be better for them in the long term. So it's the, it's the, the um, confidence of a youth or, or confidence, but um, the priority of a youth development system to say, you know, we're going to make this move. Winning is important, but if we happen to lose the game because we did this, the long term is that we have a player more ready for the first team. Yeah. How, um, so obviously you were an assistant at um, college before you went to Sacramento, right? Yep. So how was, obviously a college culture is quite winning driven. How was that going into an academy where you have to keep, take a back step in a way? Um, it, I would say it definitely helped me, uh, you know, when I was, so when I was a, an assistant at UOP, I was also the, the technical director for um, Central Valley Monarchist, which is now Surf, and then I also, you know, ran that the, the coach in the youth as well. So I always had this perspective 
you know, okay, doing the doing the twenty threes at the collegiate level. And and to be fair, we we lost a lot of games in the first two years of that program, <laughs> and then and then won quite a few the set the third year. Um, but it, it it always gave me a little bit of perspective on okay, when I'm coaching in these roles, um, this is how this is the the I would say the personality that I'm gonna um, uh, take on because that's what's right for that environment. Um, and then when I'm coaching these roles, my, you know, my personality has to change just a little bit to, to adapt to that environment. So I was always kind of aware of the, the, the differences. Um, but yeah, it was certainly, it was, it's a way different game day experience, you know, when I'm, uh, coaching at the division one level, um, versus the 13s and 14s in the academy, like you're equally invested. Um, but my role on game day is completely different. Yeah. It's a lot of juggling being a coach and you've got to have your different teams, different levels, it's, but it's fun. It's enjoyable. Yeah, it is. But it's nice now. This is my first time um, ever in my coaching career where I'm, I'm doing one, um, one team only. Yeah. All your energy into one, one team. That's, that's the goal. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, um, so what have you what have you kind of been doing with the roots players during this um, COVID time? I guess kind of you know online sessions. What have you been doing with them? Yeah, so we've done a lot of um, you know obviously all the guys have an individual uh, fitness plan and and um, that's that's key that during this time we're able to to maintain a lot of the fitness that we foundation that we built in the preseason as well as you know, take some ground, can't take as much ground cause you're not training together, but you know, the guys have been really good about, um, uh, dealing with their own individual situations and still being able to, to maximize on that front. Um, we've done, we've done, we do a weekly team, uh, webinar that, that, um, we've had a number of different topics from team culture or, um, you know, some, some a little bit of team video but those things are tough uh because you know you don't want the session to be too long and and also with not being able to see guys faces that's the team environment for video isn't isn't ideal um uh over zoom or, or google hangouts um so a lot of those have been about whether it's uh just presentations on different topics of like um psychological skills um um we talk about competitive principles. So we analyze some of those uh, things that I had, I had thrown out in the preseason on a theoretical basis. And then, you know, they don't even know that we're implementing them on a daily basis with it, within our environment or, or I've addressed them, you know, a little bit um, to them, but they don't even know that they're in practice. Now we can talk a little bit more and, and do a little bit more um, with those, those key tenants to our, our culture and our way of doing things. So those have been a couple of the presentations, presentation on nutrition. Um, and then we've also had individual calls every week. So we all, uh, we alternate, um, where, and that's where we've done a lot of film, uh, a lot of the, their IDP, um, work, you know, looking at, and every, every film session with every player is different, but looking at ways in which they can improve within our way of playing, um, and, and, and even ways in which they can, if they're able to get to a field and train right now, the way they can do some, some individual work that is, is, you know, tactical specific, um, but with the technical, you know, with the technical, um, 
thrust because obviously we want them on the ball. I don't want – I never played football just to run, and I don't believe that there's very many footballers that play football just to run. So that's the hardest part about this time is like, hey, we can't play, you know. Um, and But the individual film has been really good, and, and we've just – you know, my, my assistant's taken one group uh, one week, and I've taken uh, the other group that week, and then we flip. Um, so – We've gotten to know our players actually really, really uh, uh, in depth during this period of time, uh, understanding how they compete, how they see the game. Um, and there's been some moments where I'm like, man, that explains so much of what I saw in the first 10 weeks. But uh, so it's really good. I feel like the, you know, slowing down. Um, it has also been really good for, for me to get to know my guys on a deeper level. So it's cool. Yeah, it's it's a weird old time, but it's I'm weirdly enjoying it. Just getting a lot of reading done, you know, researching things like that. Absolutely. So just to finish off, who who's someone kind of has inspired you and helped you along the way in your coaching? And then what advice would you give to a young coach going forward? Yeah, um, there's there's been a few. Uh, I would say influential people um, that that for me were, um, you know, I mean, there's the, the the top coaches I think that have have inspired me, but um, you know, I, I'm a um, I'm a big believer that like there's little there's little connections that you make that you don't even know are gonna be um, are gonna be uh, really beneficial. Um, so you know. Right now, a uh, friend of mine, Mikey Varis, um, who's out assistant at Dallas, but he was at Republic just before me. Um, and we've had some dialogue around football that has was really, I was like, really just um, oh, eye-opening on a on a on a friend-to-friend, coach-to-coach level. Um, so he and he was a big reason for me moving to to Sac Republic. So um, you know, I don't I don't know if I'd be where I'm at if it wasn't for him. Um, but then, um, you know, I think being in NorCal, being around, um, NorCal premier, I used to work with PDP and getting to see the way in which the, the, you know, the Zemer family and NorCal and the leadership of NorCal are trying to, to set up, um, set up soccer here in Northern California and then pass that along wherever they can. Um, that's been really inspiring. So to grow up, uh, as a coach around those, those people, Benjamin, um, you know, Marcus, Andrew, even Chris as well. Uh, and then all the, their friends and, and the people who are, are moving soccer forward here, uh, in Northern California, that's been, that's been super, super inspiring as well for me to just say, Hey, how can I, how can I help, help move the, the needle as well. Um, so those are, those are a couple that I would, I would name. And then I'm also one that will say that Bob Bradley is a really important figure for, um, for, you know, American soccer, uh, and namely American coaches. Um, uh, and I know he just, just, just spoke on a, on a zoom the other day or a webinar. Um, and just, I think his, his willingness to step outside and, and really um, go through as an American coach, uh, uncharted waters, um, I think is, is, and then what he's been able to bring back and, and the respect we should give him for going on that journey and, and, and what he's done with LAFC and 
as well as our national team. I think he's one that's inspired me to say, hey, you know what, an, an American coach can do some pretty big things on the on the global global stage. And um, so that's one one that I'll, I'll throw out there as well. The other thing that I, the, the thing that I would say to young coaches is, um, you know, you mentioned that during this time, it's like there's just there's just so much that you can be ingesting. Um, and that for me is such an important part of, uh, a a coach's development because you, you just, you got to see how other people do it and it will help you. If the, if the idea when you're watching or reading or whatever is about how, you know, how, how getting to the point where this is how I want to do it. Um, and then always being open. Um, to adapting that when you see best practice or bad practice or whatever the case may be, but really when you ingest and you, uh, and then you digest, that's the, that's the, the key piece. Cause a lot of people regurgitate, they just, they, they ingest what somebody does and they regurgitate it. But, uh, that digestion piece of, of, uh, a whole bunch of different medium material, um, can help you as a young coach um, step outside of what you, your comfort zone and, and what you think it is. Uh, and it will help you continue to refine, uh, how you do things and, and, uh, how you can improve and how you can build a, a better understanding of, of, uh, whether it's the, the pedagogical piece and, and the sociological piece, or it's the, um, you know, physical piece or technical piece and just continuing to refine your philosophy on how you want to do things. Uh, it's a constant process. Uh, all of us should still be growing, but for young coaches to really maximize their hours involved in that. Um, and then, and I, I, the other piece that I would say to, to a young coach is um, apprenticeship is like really important, you know? Um, so being in a place where you can be mentored, not necessarily by, you know, on a day-to-day basis by a coach, but being in a place where you're, um, you're having to to uh, be evaluated by um, somebody on a regular basis. A good director, a head coach, if you're an assistant, is a super, super, super important part of your of your development. Kevin, that's been that's been brilliant. Thank you very much. I appreciate it all. Um, yeah, I'd love to get you back on soon again because uh, could go on for another hour easily. absolutely man absolutely yeah anytime that was a really interesting and insightful conversation from Jordan I learned a lot and I hope you all did too it was really interesting to see how he had adapted from youth soccer to college back to a youth academy with Sat Republic and now men's at the pro level with Oakland Roots. Don't forget to subscribe, comment and follow AF Coach Soccer on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And I love hearing feedback, so feel free to leave it on the podcast. See you soon and thanks again.